My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voices of Wrestling Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for May 16th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or the Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You you can set, sign up for a one-time or recurring donation. You click the red box that says sponsor this, this podcast. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Joined alongside, as always, our co-host, Case Lowe. And Case, how are you doing on this four minutes until NBA draft lottery countdown? I'm good. I- I'm good. I missed you last week. We obviously were recorded right after Dead or Alive and did not record uh, last week. Cork and show was late in the week, and this is the-, the soonest that I could get behind a microphone. And we are doing it, like Mike said, four minutes before the NBA draft lottery is decided. We likely won't talk about it unless the Indiana Pacers win the lottery. There's a 6% chance they do. If they do, Apologize. Uh, apologies are in order to our European listeners and our people that don't care about basketball. We will have to stop down and talk about the life-altering impact that is the Pacers winning the lottery. Of course, it won't happen. Nothing good ever happens to the Pacers. Cursed franchise. You know, they never tanked. They have young assets. They've done everything the right way. They will not be rewarded by it, and it's a damn shame. You could be a Dallas Mavericks fan. Well, I wouldn't do that because they employ Kyrie Irving. I'm just saying, like, 3% chance, and you have a team that looked like it was, like, at one point, was, like, what, a four seed in, like, January? Like, the, like the, and then, then they trade for Kyrie. Uh, 
you, you can't even get any sort of chemistry with the team there. Like, you, like the star no, players I, did not work out whatsoever. The stars don't even make the play-ins. I have no sympathy for them whatsoever. They have a oh. generational talent in Luka Doncic. If they can't figure it out, that's their problem. It's feeling like that uh, Luka's deals up, like, what, two years, three years? Like, like it feels like that, that there's... I would not be surprised if there was a world that Kyrie Irving remains a Dallas Maverick, even though he's a free agent, but Luka Doncic is not on this team. I would I would like that just because, you know, in the same way, I'm, I'm a massive Kevin Durant fan, and I've taken my lumps, and rightfully so, but having Katie waste, what, four years of his career in Brooklyn alongside Kyrie, it was so disheartening to see, and I would really hate... For somebody like Luka, who, who is annoying and a bit of a pest and has, has not lived up to the potential just in terms of team success i would hate to see him waste any more time of his career alongside Kyrie. so i hope he gets out of there while we're waiting for the draft lottery and look we have a million drangy things to talk about tonight there's a loaded cork and show a kobe samba hall show that existed but there's a, there's a lot to talk about i do want to pivot to one more thing real quick and that is are you familiar with the music festival mic known as riot fest Yes, I am pretty familiar with it and have never attended that. You know, uh, my Riot Fest became a thing like after I stopped going to festivals, really. You're always a good test case because I find your music preferences to be so odd and eclectic. Idiosyncratic. And, yes, yeah. very, very much so. And, and I want you to take a look because I am I am notoriously anti-music festival. I have to go to Riot Fest and Lollapalooza for work. And even if I have a good time there, it's never something that I would choose to go to on my own. But the 2023 Riot Fest lineup is one of the most impressive lineups I have ever seen. I am blown away by what they accomplished this year. And, and take a look at that lineup and do a little bit of a live react for me. Okay, I am pulling this up right now. Got a bunch of big headliners there. Got some bands on the bottom of the poster that I can mansplain to you in just a second about the importance of why they're booked. There's a, it, it's, it's possibly okay, yeah. the, the, most, the most universally accepted lineup for a festival I have ever seen. And, and, and it's also now that I'm looking at this case, now that I'm really looking at this, this is also like the yep, no, you're doing a big festival, you gotta get them, you gotta get them. It, it's just that they hit a hundred on it; they got every yes. single one. The, it, it, everyone, like case, I know you do not play the video games outside of your occasional sport, Correct. but to quote Super Smash Brothers, everyone is here. Foo Fighters, Turnstile, Postal Service, Death Cab, Queens of the Stone Age, The Cure, Mars Volta, Gaslighting Anthem, even though Brian Fallon's voice is shot, and I saw them last year and was super disappointed, Insane Clown Posse, Finch, Viagra Boys, Pup, Gorilla Biscuits, Quicksand, Rival Schools, High Viz, Free Throw, Fleshwater, Banger after Banger after Banger after Banger. I, if I had to buy a ticket for this, would. I, it is that good of a lineup. Well, Case, you kind of buried the lead at least for your uh, millennials born between 1984 and 1988 as Ben Gibbard's doing the double duty postal service and death cap for cutie 20th anniversary tour. It's such a sick concept. And and I'm always bummed because, you know, Chicago, and this is this is real in the weeds here. I'll make this quick because I know most people don't care. But Chicago loses out on a lot of great summer tours because you have clauses that if you're playing Lollapalooza or you're playing Riot Fest will prevent you from doing shows in the area for, you know, two, three months ahead of time. So 
I saw Death Cab and Postal Service were doing that tour. I saw Detroit in mid-September, and I go, oh, motherfucker, they're doing Riot Fest. This sucks. I, I, I want to go see them in an actual arena. I don't want to go see them at a festival. And then I saw the rest of this lineup, and I decided to shut up because uh, w- what a bunch of wins that is. And you have, like, some stuff here that just makes sense in the uh, the sense of, well, you're doing a festival right now, and these people are available. So in 2023, you do have to get 100 gecks to be Ugh, on the same stage God, the, as the Parliament on the same stage as Bowling for Soup. Like, you kind of have to. I know? recently I, – I had somebody – approach me in the office recently somebody who's very connected to the music industry works with a lot of high profile bands and they go case i need you to do me a favor i go what's up they go explain 100 gex to me and i go unfortunately you have found the wrong 24 year old to do that I, I i do not understand the appeal of this band i do not understand how anybody could listen to them i don't get it but they sell a lot of tickets and they stream a lot of music so more power to them yeah it, it it's one of those things that like I became very uh I, I I became very satisfied with growing older when I was just like well when certain music acts I don't remember the first one that I was like you know what not for me don't get it and then it's very liberating to then go I and you know what I just can't have an opinion about it You know for some people that is what has happened in Dragon Gate they they have hit a point in their fandom they have hit a point in their age where they go, whatever this new generation is, it's not for me. And they throw their hands up. But you and I, Mike Spears, we are not a part of that problem. We are a part of the wave that is riding into the new generation. And boy, has Drangate put their foot forward in, a, in an impressive way, in a daring way, in a daunting way. With the new big six, the, what was it, the Raiwa generation? Raywa, yeah, Raywa. Yeah. The Indiana Pacers have the seventh pick in the draft. Thanks for nothing, guys. Uh, the Raywa generation. Let's talk about it and, and everything that happened at Cork and Hall this past week. Yeah, so this is following up after Madoka Kakuda's uh, open dream gate win at Dead or Alive, where he took the microphone and then nominated the men uh, along with himself that are the leaders of the new generation, essentially uh, the replacements uh, from the original Big Six or the the newest six to kind of join that level and Madoka Kakuda, Kodama Nora, Shun Skywalker, Benkei, Strong Machine J, and Yuki Yoshioka. And to kick off the Reiwa generation leaders, we had a special six-man tag. The first time that these six guys will have been in a match since then. And case we're going to talk not just about this, but the context of the big six and the generation shift as we're get along with the program this week but we had on the cork and hall show from uh may 11th cases review is up on voices of wrestling.com madoka kakuda kota Minora, and shun skywalker defeat benkei strong machine j and yuki yoshioka after a rolling lariat from the open the dream gate champion madoka kakuda on strong machine j this is in my opinion one of the best dragon gate matches of the entire year I would put it a little bit behind, obviously, Skywalker versus Kakuta, which is my clubhouse leader. And I think I would put it just a tad behind Skywalker versus Yoshioka from January, which I am probably the high man on, and Kakuta and Yoshioka versus Susumu Mochizuki and Yasushi Kanda from March. I would put it ahead slightly of Coach Minora versus Madoka Kakuta from the April Cork and Hall main event, which briefly, before I get your thoughts on the match, that is a narrative that I, that I want to put out there because, Mike, if you remember 
in 2020 and 2021 when there was curfews and Cork and Hall shows were a little awkward and there were only maybe a few hundred fans in the building. You know, we would come on this show and I would write in my reviews over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. I would go, God, like these shows are good. And then the main events happen and, and the main events just aren't what they used to be. It's this weird epidemic kind of plugging Dragon Gate right now. And I want to make it very clear that that is over. Look at the main events in Corgan Hall this year. It was the high-end versus Zebras unit disbands match, Skywalker versus Yoshioka, Kakuta and Yoshioka versus BB Hulk and Coach Minora. And then it was the Ray Day Barajas finals with Kakuta, Yoshioka, Mochizuki, and Kanda. April was Minora versus Kakuta, and now May was this six-man tag. Those are those are five bangers this year. A, a tremendous way to uh, make their presence felt in Corgan Hall. Yeah, and I, I with all the matches that have happened over like the last three months in this building, and then also the Dead or Alive main event, I still have this behind the Ray Dead Perhaps Finals. Like it, it's that that's going to be the clubhouse leader until some unless something really blows me away. But it's it's very remarkable to see how you twenty twenty through um really uh, December of last year you had like one format that you had to do because of restrictions because of all right this is just how we're coping with it and then this month was the first month we had that it's great to see cork and hall back to kind of what it used to be did not miss the 10 minute intermission though case that is the one bad thing about things getting back normal like it's it's I get it, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh, we could, could we've left that in the past." But the, the this match, though, spectacular. It was really that they made a big point out of this first match that, like, you had four of these guys who are already Dreamgate champions, and then you had Minora and Strong Machine J. And Strong Machine J, we pointed out last week, and has become a point of conversation within the promotion that and a plot device that strong machine j is kind of the one that has to prove himself and that that's what this match was for 20 odd minutes in cork and hall was the strong machine j show and it was tremendous to see well let let me ask you this and i'll throw my list at you first because i I don't want to catch you fully off guard but i want to sort of go through the new big six power rankings coming out of this match specifically who impressed you the most in this match because I, I can give you my six right now number one through six the most impressive guy to me in this match and I want to talk a lot about him in just a second but it's Madoka Kakuta Kakuta was the guy that stole the show for me he is the world champion and he's wrestling like a world champion I'll put a pin in that and I'll come back to it later number two for me in this match I thought was shooting Skywalker I was really curious to see what he was going to look like post Dreamgate belt you know would the psychotic nature of his character would the frenzy of his in-ring work would it feel a little lackluster now that he's been knocked down a peg the answer to that is an unequivocal no I thought he looked like a monster in this match I thought he looked like a beast he was absolutely terrific and then to go to your point I would have number three just in terms of how much they impressed me in this match in the new big six I would say strong machine J because you're right, this was the Strong Machine J show. This was his spotlight. This was his focus. He had all of the attention down the finishing stretch with the Open the Dreamgate champion. I thought he was terrific. I thought he held his own, much like Yuki Yoshioko, who I have at number four. I liked Yoshioka a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on him as well that we will get to. And then I had Ben K in the five spot. I thought Ben was good. 
albeit unspectacular, and Coach Menorah in the sixth spot. And again, we'll table the discussion for Menorah. I want to get to the decourage guys before I get to him. But Menorah actually let me down a little bit, where a strong machine J, the guy with the most approved, did not. For me, uh, it's hard to kind of evaluate Shun in this match because he does still rely so much on character work. Like he was. Shun did not, not agree to be in this group. He did not really want to be a part of this. And then he's like, the Strong Machine J guy is just not at, of the level with that. And he just basically, for like the first like seven, eight minutes, barely was in the match, was picking his thoughts, and then immediately was rolling to the outside. So it worked for me from a character perspective. And I think like that him now finding a new fixation is the way to kind of play the character after being the Dreamgate champion. But Kakuda, it's... I, I hate feeling like a broken record here, Case. But we, as we've been saying since Christmas of 2022, Kakuda has been the hottest person in the company. He is someone now that we're going to have to keep track of, not just in Most Outstanding, which I think he has a top five claim for, given the variety of matches and the ability. I mean, he's in three of my top five matches of the year in Dragon Gate so far, just off the top of my head, three. And... It is something that, like, since Go and since becoming championship, the championship hasn't phased him. Whereas with other people in this big six class, their first Dreamgate run phased them a lot and they suffered for it. And they maybe for a little bit had the Dragon System Dreamgate curse or Ace curse kind of apply to them. That does not seem to apply here whatsoever with Kakuda. Is there any difference uh, uh disagreeing opinion that you would have within my rankings i had like i said kakuda shun strong machine yoshioka ben and menorah anybody that you would swap there just in terms of the, the impressiveness of their performance in the six man well like lot like shun ben is someone that it's not always like frankly he is a very much like a five moves of doom wrestler Right, like he has the spear, he has the headbutt, Masakari, and he'll do waist locks, and, but, but, and then bounce off the ropes. Like he's not, and, a very... and he has he has the chicky chicky in the same way that John Cena had that you can't see me. They're they're very similar wrestlers, and this is not the time to bring into the think piece of is Ben K Dragon Age John Cena, but I love where your head's at. But like that is like a certain archetype that he plays as well as anyone else you know I me mean, being like the like super face thing and like jay on comments are being like oh yeah ben k is saying he said that as soon as he joined gold class he's having like the most fun of his life entirely believe that and that is like such a i i, I know this isn't i i think like that this does apply to wrestling in the way that it's not exactly like ring work but it is a certain energy it is a certain like aspect like to this that when you talk about big six and we talk about the previous big six, it is important to have those sorts of roles in that. And I think Ben does an amazing job there. So like having Ben at fifth, I don't know. I, I get it, but it, it is something that I, I mean, each of these guys I feel like is going to have a certain role within the overall context and for what Ben's role is and being basically just the ball charisma, like the golden tank ball charisma. I just think he did incredibly at Corkin. Let, let me put it to you in terms of tiers. I would have Kakuta in a league of his own. I would have Shun, Strong Machine, Yoshioka, and Ben all lumped together. And then beneath them, I would have Minora. Yeah, I, it 
it was something that here's something that caught me with Menorah, and it's something that I I feel like that sometimes like he becomes our kind of like our cause celeb for lack of better terms. His new theme song, we've not talked about this. It is the most bizarre thing. His theme song with like the characters trying like that is a heel theme song that they that they changed up his theme. They gave him a heel theme song. He needs to turn. Well, I I, I don't know. Is there a star, is a heel menorah? You know, is that something that he can accomplish in gold class, or is that something where we have to rebuild him from the ground up as a as an undoubted, not tweener, full-on Zebrats type heel. Is that the sort of change you're advocating for? I think so. I I mean, you look at, like, yes, we're, we're talking about someone that, for all intents and purposes, his career started in July 2021. Yes, he was, like, the, like that chapter of his career that really, like, sent him with the rocket ship. He hasn't had, like, a heel turn. He hasn't had an excursion. I don't think an excursion is coming or is needed but it's something that when you like you take stock of this group of six and the unit landscape and then you have a new theme out of nowhere for him that is such a heel coded theme i had to wonder about like gold class with that but that's just me spec that's just idle speculation well two points that one i I think menorah might actually be the the person that would benefit from an excursion the most out of anybody on the roster i think nine months in mexico would be fascinating for Coach Menorah. Just, you know, it's not fair to him. He He's a very good wrestler who's had very good matches and has proven himself to be a worthwhile commodity. But there's still, a year later, and, and we're talking almost 365 days since, a level of baggage with him in last summer that I just don't think he's been able to escape. And I think Drangate did the right thing in the last half of 2022, just de-emphasized him completely. They focused on Minorita. Ben K caught fire, which I think saved that entire unit. They were in a very good spot by proxy. Menorah sort of just coasting alongside his sidekick and his new addition to the unit. He was so devalued and and put in the rear view that I think it was effective. But I see him in these main events and I go, God, that's the guy that that tanked world last year. He really needs to go away. And I, I also think his character in its current incarnation would do well in Mexico. The the other point that I'll make before I kick it back to you, I just, I put such little stock in the theme songs and it's wrong of me and perhaps I, I should care about it a little bit more, but I just don't. It's kind of like title belts. Look, I wish they never changed from the, the version two of the Dreamgate belt, you know, the one from the mid 2010s. I think that's one of the prettiest belts I've ever seen in wrestling, but I don't care. I, I don't care what the Dreamgate belt looks like in the same way that I don't care what somebody's theme song is. Yeah, it's it, it, it usually like theme songs, at least with this company, I feel like that you can't make any determinations because I mean, Gold Class had like a year with like a product with like a demo track, <laughs> but it was something that for like someone in the big six getting a brand new theme, which also Ben K not coming out to the old uh, Go Samurai, which is yeah, but well, which had to change had to change like you can't have that thing with him but with with menora like i just it, it is something with him that like yeah the the best scenario for him is to go uh spend nine months in the mansion right like like and have him just like work on the crowd work that there is a level of disconnect that i when you have like the five other ones there and even strong machine J, I feel like has made like those big steps over the last 12 months that it is that everything feels online like i'm not as 
anxious about him being the second generation of his dad's gimmick anymore. Remember how for a while it's like, I don't know about this. Like that's gone. Whereas Manor, there's so many like parts here. You have the in-ring, which doesn't need to change whatsoever. Like if he, he has figured that part of himself out, but it, it is something where I, in a lot of ways, we are kind of still seeing the same guy who was in Mochizuki Dojo. Well, it, it's funny you compare and contrast those two because my my large point about Minoru, which I can go ahead and make here, is you know, Strong Machine J. The best thing that ever happened to him was that people realized he was human, and I think Drangate has seen that, and I think they're taking a similar route with La Estrella, where you know, yes, it was funny when Strong Machine J was out for maintenance, and there were you know issues with Strong Machine F and Strong Machine J and this and Strong Machine G in the supply chain and that's why they're no longer here that was great but the best thing that happened to Strong Machine J was that they humanized him it's given him another layer it's let him cut promos it's let him have emotion that has helped him as a character what was so jarring to me was that in this match in front of a super hot crowd 1100 in attendance good cork a number of course i know they'd like to be in that 1300 range which is you know, post-pandemic, considered a sellout in Corrigan, 1,100 uh, at, at this show. I thought the hottest crowd I've heard in Tokyo since early 2020, I, I thought this sounded, for the most part, like a pre-pandemic crowd. Down the finishing stretch, there's a moment where it's Kota Minora and a Strong Machine J in the ring, and Minora puts on his cross-face submission, a move that he has beaten guy after guy after guy with a known finisher. Hypothetically, it could end the match in a moment. And the crowd was silent. And to me, it doesn't matter at that point if Menorah creates Heaven and Earth 2.0 in the closing stretch of the match. That silence in the building as Menorah locked in his finisher in the middle of the ring and feasibly could have beaten Strong Machine J, it was alarming, not in the sense that J didn't garner sympathy. It was alarming in the sense that no one gave a fuck whether or not Coach Menorah won this match. Yeah, and I, I feel like that that's going to be a challenge with this big six Whereas we go back to 2020 or 2013 and they already did the rehab on Shingo Takagi, the rehab on Naruki Doi. Masato Yoshino was pretty much fine. Tozawa was being elevated into that group as was Hulk. So they were fine here. Minora is like a unique issue that was not a problem because it's a problem of all they're making. And it's not like, hey, we gave them a shot, did not work out there. Let's take it back a couple of years. We'll, we'll try it again later. It's just, it, it's something that they have not taken. Look, look, like I, I I understand that they have taken the step back with him. I understand that he has been de-emphasized. That Minorita and Benkei, for a lot of ways, have become the figureheads of Gold Class. But it's not necessarily that the level of down to the struts that he might need. I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what you do with him because, you know, I'm I'm an advocate for just shaking the snow globe and kind of seeing where things fall. But, admittedly, Coach Minora going full heel doesn't sound very intriguing to me. It just doesn't. It doesn't have a spark. I don't know what you do with him. Yeah, and and I think the reason is is because the last twelve months of him basically, like to him turning heel, it's like oh, he's going to be a man of a heel now. Like, it's not necessarily solving the problem, but it's, it's something that just kind of was glaring at me. Uh, a, a point about, like, the this big six as uh, to just kind of tie up the, the the talk about the Corkaman event. I think it's very interesting the way that 
they have now figured this out. We have the big six. It, it, it's something where, it, in a lot of ways, us doing the same day audio on the 5th was very good to kind of go like, oh, this has happened and have that reaction. But getting now the 11 days of it soaking in, like, there within the Dragon System, there is no form of higher elevation that really happened here that can happen, essentially. Like, yeah, you can win King of Gate, main, main event Kobe World, and become Dreamgate champion, but that does not necessarily make you a leader in this. But in one promo, we saw Madoka Kakuda essentially decide, all right, he's a number one, he's number one. Strong Machine J was probably a three. Guess what? He's now a number one. And it's, and it's remarkable to see it as... I got a chance to kind of go through all the YouTube stuff since uh, Dead or Alive, and I've done it a little bit with like a guise of okay, how are they portraying themselves, or how are people people shouldering the load? And it's been really kind of a remarkable thing to see that I feel like that this Corkin match, in, in a lot of ways, encapsulated that. The announcement, the post match promo after Dead or Alive, it does not surprise people like you and me, Mike. We have been screaming about this for years now through throughout the pandemic. Hey. There's a generation change happening. Get used to it. And, and at times we had referenced, you know, Espy Kento and Hyo and Takuma Fujiwara. It, it wasn't always the focus on the heavyweights that are now listed as the big six. But we knew this was coming. It's why in 2021, when Coach Minora ran through King of Gate and just barely lost to KZ, it's why it didn't surprise us. It's why last year, when Yuki Yoshioka won King of Gate and there were pundits out there who were a little taken aback by it, it didn't surprise us. Because this has been happening steadily and consistently for a long time. And I think people outside of the voices that are you and me need to give this company credit for the guts that it took to do this in an era where Japanese wrestling is quite frankly on the brink. Dragon Gate said, here's our six guys. They're all born in the late 90s or later. Either like them or get out. And it's incredible. This is why I have disdain in my voice when I talk about pro wrestling Noah, because they have pissed away opportunities like this for 20 something years now. And there was no greater example of it than what they did in the pandemic when they went old, old, old. And now, Mike, could you imagine Noah booking a six man main event? of young guys? Could you imagine all Japan having the artillery in their system to book a six-man main event of young guys and have it mean anything at the box office? New Japan could do it, but New Japan doesn't need to do it. New Japan's in a different league than everybody else is. This is what happens when you pay attention, when you move forward, when you adapt or die, and Drangate chose to adapt during the pandemic. They've hit the ground running now coming out of it. I hope this works. I have faith that it'll work. Because they've got Madoka Kakuta on top. And I think we all need to sit down. The wrestling intelligentsia, if you will, to steal a phrase from the flagship show Lanza, and have a roundtable discussion on Madoka Kakuta being a legitimate Flair Fez candidate this year. Not just something you and I talk about. Not just something you, uh, the people in the Dragon Gate channel and the Discord talk about. But a big boy discussion by the people that care, by the people that matter, about Madoka Kakuta being on the level of an Okada or a Mega or a Moxley in terms of the impact that he has for this company, being more effective in the impact that he has for Dragon Gate than currently in this moment MJF has for AEW. Because Double or Nothing is bombing. And although 
it's not entirely his fault that he has to deal with the promos of Sammy Guevara and the Jungle Boy. MJF has not exactly knocked out of the park and everything he's done either. I hate that Pillars build. I hate that four-way. It's all been bad. I've hated every segment on TV. It is a black mark on the otherwise flawless resume that is MJF. Kakuta, more over than Miyahara, more over than Jake Lee. Matters more in the context of Japanese wrestling, whether it's on magazine covers or not, which is bullshit, by the way, that those two people uh, and the frauds in the conglomerate wrestling companies in Japan got put on the magazine cover last week, and Kakuta did not. The, the cop here, as people continue to throw roses at Sonata, and credit to him, he's held up his end of the bargain in New Japan. He has not been a box office tank. It's, it's exactly what Kakucha's doing. The difference is, I don't think you or I in five or ten years expect Sonata to be a Tokyo Dome main eventer. I don't think you or I expect him to be in G1 Finals, King of Pro Wrestling main events. Any, you know, three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, I don't think Sonata's... He's a bridge. Exactly. Sonata's not headlining a show with the word dome in it three years, five years, ten years from now. Madoka Kakuta, whether it's Dead or Alive, World, Dangerous Gate, Gate of Destiny, he will be doing that in three years, five years, ten years. This is a guy who was wrestling at a main event level, wrestling like a world champion. You talked about match quality earlier, earlier, Mike. Through May 16th, I've got nine Madoka Kakuta matches at four stars or higher, and I've got one, two, three, four in my top five for this year, Skywalker versus Kakuta, four and three quarter stars. Yuki, uh, Kakuta and Yoshioka versus Mochizuki and Kanda, four and a half stars. This six man, four and a half stars. Minora versus Kakuta from April, four and a half stars. These are not dinky four star matches. He's having match of the year caliber matches every single month this year. He's amazing. He deserves more credit than he gets in the guts to come back to that, that it takes Dragon Gate to book an angle like this two months before their biggest show of the year, when it is so easy to go back to Yamato to ask Eita to do this, to rehash Masaki Mochizuki in the main event, they are saying, nope, these are our six guys, and Madoka Kakuta's leading the charge. And so far, he's passing with flying colors. And uh, to, to kind of go back to a, a point you made earlier in that case, because I co-sign with what all you're saying about Kakuta and flair thez it's something that if when you're talking about importance to their promotion i can't think of very many people other than like you, you know kento miyahara to all japan who are as important to the promotion as matoka kakuda but when we talk about dragon gate doing this there's one thing that is let's uh pull up our sleeves case and let's talk about the real thing dragon gate has to do this this is not the, the, and this is not a co-op versus conglomerate thing. This is this is a promotion that has reached a point that All Japan reached in the 80s. New Japan reached in the 80s. Where you have perhaps what I, I would think if I were a promoter, if I were a matchmaker, I would be terrified of. Going from your first generation that you built your company to this point to a brand new generation of people and then not necessarily showing that old generation the door, but saying, yeah, they're here, but the, but, but they're just down here. What the guys you care about, it's the young guys don't care about your old guys. You could still cheer from like, like, please come and cheer for them. But the ones that matter are these anymore. If, if Dragon Gate doesn't succeed with this, there's no company like straight up. Like if this is something that, a lot of promotions have failed at not just in Japan, but across the world when you have when you're going from like the people that essentially founded and built up your company to who's next right after it. So the 
the level of difficulty you said that they that things were on the the edge here like this is essentially something that this has to work and it is something that from all from all data that we have right now it's still early days we still have kobe world and six weeks without a main event and we'll talk about potential main events in a little bit but this is something it's like we have to do this and they laid down the groundwork the three-way generation war with everything that that have happened over the last three ways the last three years to give themselves the best opportunity to to travel probably the most dangerous time in promotion history you know what's so great about the way that they set this up is because they're so in your face about it, because you have these six guys, I think it really opens the door for a number of different avenues to trot down because you have the new big six. And so obviously those guys are going to be against one another. They're going to try to climb up the rankings, the power rankings, if you will, to get past one another, to get to the top of the card. You also, being that it's Drangate, have guys that are still going to be teaming. You have Kakuta and Yoshioka. You have Ben and Minora. As we unfold, as we shake the snow globe, as things change, these guys will forever be intertwined because of that promo. Their units will change and different partnerships will form. The advantage they have to saying, these are the guys. This is the generation. And this is something that I think the millennials a decade ago now, 2013, August, you know, it never it never fully got there with them is you not only have the infighting between the generation and the partnerships that exist within the generation you are now in direct opposition to anybody that came before you whether it be yamato doi mochizuki fuji anybody from 2013 to 1999 is suddenly the enemy and drangate is in such an advantageous position that they already have a generation of guys that are going to look to take them down. You know, Kato and Nagano and Mochizuki Jr. And do not sleep. I will say this until I'm blue in the face. Do not sleep on Takuma Nishikawa. He might not wrestle in Japan until 2024, but he's a handsome heavyweight. And if he has any talent whatsoever, they are going to push him to the moon. They have sandwiched themselves in a glorious position where they not only have the focus of the big six, which by the way, what a position to be in. When you, when you list, these are the six guys, and you have people in our Discord going, well, what about so-and-so? Why was he not here? They could have done a big eight. They could have done a stack nine, and they were just talking about the people that are currently in Japan. Not an Ishikawa, not an SB Kento, not a Fujiwara, not another trainee down the pipeline like Tanaka, who's going to debut in a few weeks. They have options for who could have been in the big six, and it's why this big boss Shimizu angle is so intriguing, because Shimizu is like, well, wait a minute, what the fuck? I'm not much older than you guys. Why am I not a part of this? It's genius, and it's ballsy, and I think it's going to pay off. I love it. And when you bring up people like on the outside, something that uh, Joe Lanza said on the flagship last week that I thought was really, really prescient was Strong Machine J. This guy, you, you know, sliding doors, of course. He is now, and I, I think now he's in his best-case reality. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It, 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 and it's something that you you know there there could have been should have been but now it is something that I think three years ago we could not even contemplate about that and talking about Shimizu coming out saying hey why'd you leave me back you also have the aspect that KZ you know is now coming has to come to terms with the fact of it's not just that like Shimizu being left out 
but because he didn't really have peers and he's, this would be the closest thing to it. Well, what if you are KZ now? Uh, ben K is 31. So he's the oldest member of this era. You're older than everyone else in this. You're someone who has been striving for like to, to break through whatever metaphorical ceiling you have. And then you have the, this guy who has wrestled for less than three years say, hey, these are, the, these are it, uh, too bad old man. Like, you have so many ways to go with this. Well, yeah, KZ's the smoking gun here, because if they need to hit eject, if if for some reason, you know, even though Corkin was up and Kobe was up, and I'm sure Osaka will be up, if for some reason everything bombs in July again, they can always hit the eject button in August and go, okay, uh, you know, m- much like the original Big Six had their time in the sun, it didn't quite work out. And Shima said, let me take that. I will be taking the Dreamgate belt. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service. We'll come back to you guys in a few years. That could very easily be the route that we get to with KZ here. What I love is that, you know, KZ wasn't included because KZ would feel out of place. Things have passed him by. So I love that they're starting with Shimizu. I would assume they get to KZ at some point. But Mike, I don't know where you stand. To me, KZ is so far out of the equation for the Kobe World main event. I would be stunned and quite frankly, a little disappointed if that's the route they went. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how things are six weeks out. And this is something that I will hammer home over the next six weeks, how many weeks out we are, and how the uh, perspective card is evolving. Casey's like not in the conversation. Shimizu, with all the matches that are made here, I think whatever's happening with Shimizu is going to be on one of those Jun Corkin. Yes, uh, that's... I mean, we we would hope. I I don't think I don't think Akuta versus Shimizu was headlining Kobe World, but I guess stranger things have happened. Right? Yeah, no, stranger things have happened, but I think it's something that we could put peacefully, like out of mind. So watching this all evolve and to see the the the, the big looming specter here is what if Yamato says, "Hey, I am the original Big Six. They that that is always like you said, KZ." was the ejection seat. If you want the ejection seat, but with the really good parachute, the one that you're going to not really feel a thing, you're not going to like break your nose through the glass. That's Yamato because you have the baked in story there. That's, I would argue him versus Kakuda. Now, if you hold that and you treat that well, which the company's given us no reason to think that they would waste this kind of match. You have that ready to pull out at any time now. So let me ask you on May 16th, what do you think the Kobe World main event is this year? Because I have one locked and loaded. I, I'm pretty convinced they are going in a certain direction. For me, it's not Kakuta versus Yamada. But before I say mine, I, I'd like to I'd like to hear from you if it is that or if it's something else. I think Yamato, that that card stays in your hand. That 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 is something that they they know what Yamato means and six weeks to get over your guy. That they've used Yamato in that fashion a lot. Over the last five years, they don't need to use them that there again. I, it might just be that like whatever itch was scratched with him during this match. I think you might think about Kakuta versus Benke. Really? Okay, that's interesting because, well, let let's let's frame it from the uh, perspective. I'll, I'll break it. I'll break down. Go, why. go ahead. Go ahead. You have your number one most popular person in the company with someone who's usually running in the top five according to what building they're in. Babyface versus Babyface, so you don't have what the looming question of, okay, Kai is going to drop this belt this week, and is it going to be Yoshioka like he should, or is it going to be the completely unsatisfying Kodaman or thing? There's no heel like thing in, in the equation. The problem 
that we have with Kobe World Main Events is that the babyface wins. Like, I, I, if you go down the line, there might be one or two that's not the case, but the babyface wins. And there's just not a lot of heels at that point, unless you're going to do outsider. And if you're going to do outsider, I don't know if you're going to be able to get an outsider that would be a, as big of a matchup to this fan base as potentially Kakuda versus Benke. No, the, the only outsider that I, I think... Shingo. Yeah, it would be Shingo, and I don't think they're going to get Shingo. If they get right. Shingo, great, but Kakuta has to win, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it, it, it is something that, like, so many hoops and things need to be jumped through that, like, you're going to get a gold medal from the dog agility games if you pull it off, and it's just not going to happen. It is interesting. I, I want to back up to Yamato for just a second, because I now think about this. He lost to Benkei in Benkei's first defense. He lost to Yoshioka last year in Osaka. That was a big match, uh, a, a almost literal passing of the torch after the match, after the main event. Yamato has not had the Kobe world loss. He, he did lose to BB Hulk in 2014 when Hulk was a babyface representing Daya Hearts. Yamato was still in Mad Blanky. That was, one, nine years ago, and two, Yamato was Yamato, but... Him as the figurehead of the company really took shape in 2016 and 2017. So that loss didn't have the weight of a Yamato world loss the way it would now. But like I said, he lost to Ben, he lost to Yoshioka. I just feel like we've done that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why I'm like, this is a card you should not play yet. Because you have that level of that. And I, I, I think a thing also when... Yamato kind of took over in 2016, 2017. That is also against the backdrop of you had your first big six departure. You had obvious step backs from your first generation. And those steps have already kind of happened with this one, I feel like. In in regards to Benkei, it's a little like my thoughts on him and the Cork and main event, but in a in a bigger picture, because I think Ben has cooled off from where he was in the last half of last year through no fault of his own. I just feel like Ben in October, November, December was red hot, you know, was a guy that was commanding attention. And it's not that he's regressed in any way. It's just the way trends go. It's the way time passes us by. And Ben doesn't feel as hot as he did even six months ago. But do you think they dropped those belts in Sapporo that you could get five weeks, get him to that hot? Because I think you could pretty easily. You could, but let me throw this at you because I, I don't know that Triangle Gate match that is Gold Class versus Vibes and Hokkaido, the hometown of KZ and BB Hulk. I, I don't have a feel for that yet. But if you look within the context of the Big Six, and I would be very surprised if they do a Kobe World Main event that doesn't feature two of those guys. You just did Kakuta versus Minora in April. And Kakuta won. So you can check Minora off the list. There's no reason for him to contend for the belt. They just did Kakuta versus Shun in May. And Kakuta won. Check Shun off the list. There's no reason to do that. You could go to Ben, like I said. But I think Ben K has cooled off. Now, could you heat him up? Yeah, but I I don't know. You know, he he lost a Dreamgate Challenge last year. It's just, it it, it doesn't feel as special as it could. I, I think there's a future where there's Ben K, Cor- or I'm sorry, uh, Ben K Kobe World Main Events. And it feels maybe akin to how it did in 2019. I just don't know if this is the year for that. You could go to Strong Machine J, but one, I don't think he's ready for the spot. And two, he just lost a Dreamgate challenge. 
And if you're doing the process of elimination, Madoka Kakucha is your champion, and I've crossed off Coach Minora, Shun Skywalker, Strong Machine J, and Benkei, that leaves us with Yuki Yoshioka. And I think the single biggest match Dragon Gate can do for their biggest show of the year is D-Courage versus D-Courage, Kakuta versus Yoshioka, with Yoshioka not turning heel, not joining a heel unit, but really leaning hard heel, almost creating a D-Courage blue for D-Courage, or for, for Kakuta, and a D-Courage red for Yoshioka. I guess flip those colors because Kakuta's wearing red. D-Courage red for Kakuta, D-Courage blue for Yoshioka. And that is the match that I think headlines Kobe World this year. Do you think that Yoshioka having the belt earlier this year would make that too recent? No, because I think it it, it feels in a different universe. You know, I, I think he ran through all of these Dreamgate challengers and that existed. And then you had this Shun reign and that existed. And even if it's only six months in between Yoshioka losing the belt and then challenging again, it feels like in the context of his world and the Yoshioka verse, so much has happened that he now has a clean slate. That's fair. That's fair. And it it, it is something that doing the decourage versus decourage thing is so unique that it can kind of erase a little bit of that memory too. I, I talked to somebody about it who is going to a bunch of shows uh, right now in Japan and their first comment was, well, the merch sales, you know, it, you know, you, you don't want to lose that because decourage is selling so much merch. And I, and that's where, I said, well, I, I think there's a, a chance that you can really draw a line in the sand and do Kakuta merch and Yoshioka merch and whatever happens after July, you deal with it. And if that's Yoshioka going full heel, which I would fully support, you do that. I, I don't think I, I don't think you do like an Ishin here where you know Ishin was on tour figuring out his character, figuring out his character in front of an audience. That's not what I want going into my Kobe World Main event, which is why I don't advocate for a full Yuki Yoshioka heel turn because it's there, there's going to be rough patches there. He's not going to have it totally nailed down. The only time he's been a heel was when he was wearing a mask and we don't need to retread Dia Inferno. I just think if you go back and watch the six man, it, it's not, you know, a happy time in the decourage world. Yoshioka is side-eyeing Kakuta the entire match. Their chemistry in the ring is unbelievable. Their interactions feel hot. That feels like a match, even though it goes against the entire logic of Dragon Gate and the units and what they've always done at World, it feels like this is the time to do that because it feels bigger than a Yamato match. It feels more exciting than an Ata match. It feels more realistic than a KZ match. And I just listed the reasons why the other guys in the Big Six shouldn't challenge for the belt. All right, I think you convinced me. I think that's the match. Could you yeah. think of a bigger match that they could do for the Dreamgate belt right now? With the current realities of wrestling politic, no. Yeah, core roster. We're talking, you got to have a, a, a listing on the Gaiora website. So not Shingo Takagi. I think that's the biggest match they can do. Yeah, and it could they do Shingo? Like we've said, like there's so many hoops of that. And like the only other person that like realistic, well, like honestly, I think it's more realistic than G something coming in here is if somehow they, they managed to cut a deal for Tozawa because Tozawa is the one that, you know, has not come back to Dragon Gate that could do something. But I still think the hoops 
aren't worth it. And especially with WWE, it's doubly not worth it. I think it, 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 and like the other thing is like the outsider scene, like you could have five, six years ago been like, okay, now we bring in Nagata for this. And you could have done that. But now it's just like, well, he's in all Japan, but like that kind of figure just, that's not the move for this promotion at this point in time. You kind of have to go with uh, Yoshioka unless you really want to, try to rocket ship someone and i don't think six months for this kind of show it, or six weeks in this kind of show is possible so yoshioka is the one to do and then you keep yamato as the back of the the card up your sleeve the back of your hand in case things get dicey afterwards yeah tozawa was interesting I, I never really thought about that he's obviously family you know he he interacts with those guys all the time he was he's in japan right now I think. He, he, he was he was in chicago with yamato when he worked aaw you know he's he's a part of the family still but if if tozawa comes back i don't i don't want him wrestling for the dream gate unless he's back back and and that's not gonna happen i you know if you're gonna do a tozawa celebration match throw him in a six man have some fun i i don't i don't need him wrestling for the world title and that probably, if you have Tozawa, he probably can't lose. So you probably need to do the six man anyways. Yeah, that, that was just, yeah, it's an interesting idea. It's worth, if we're going to talk about Shingo coming in, we might as well talk about Tozawa coming in. Yeah, yeah, because it's, those are the two realistic outsiders that matter to this promotion. Yes. Like, Kaioki and Mia got like a silence to, <laughs> with this audience here. They, they care a lot more about Kano, and Kano seems to care a lot more about Dragon Gate. Oh my God, I want Kano to come to Dragon Gate so bad. I, I just, I want about him though. No. I like I said last week. There's that Nakajima Kano match, that singles match at the end of April or at the end of May, and I just think like, God, can't that can't that be a write off for Kano? Can he just come here full time and just crush it? He would be so entertaining. Yeah, and Kano can't be a a Kobe World Main Eventer either. No, no, he's, he's, he'll be in the the Twin Game match because I don't. Uh, that that was we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but next month and Corkin, it's Kano and Kondo versus Susumu Mochizuki and Yasushi Kanda, and I would assume that's a successful defense for the the tag team champions. Yeah, and not to deviate too much from our schedule here, thought that popped in my mind. Okay, is I had the draft tweet, but I did not fire it off here and call me a coward. Of this, do you think Susumu and Kanda are in the conversation at this point for this year? Because I feel like they've sneakily put together something like this and it feels more complete and it reminds me of years like doyama for for tag team of the year you mean yes i i think the mochizukis as in masaki and junior i think they've been better i think kakuta and yoshioka were so good in the tag league and they they didn't have the hype of kato and nagano or the mochizukis or even because of the finals the the other m3k team but you know, if they crush it, if they crush it in June, I mean, if we're talking about another, you know, four and a quarter, four and a half star banger, I'll hear out that conversation, but I'm not there yet to put any energy into that discussion. That's fair. That's fair. It's just something that popped in my head. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good, and Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera and a doorbell all three in one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, 
Yuffie's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Let me ask you a question. I think this is my final thing I've got on the new big six, but maybe something else comes up here. But I, I want to throw this at you because I don't know of another promotion in history that has been so forthcoming about generations and who was running the company from you know a figurehead in-ring standpoint. You obviously, after Torimon gets underway, you have the original four, you have Magnum, you have Milano, you have Shima, you have Mochizuki. And that transitions into the original Big Six, which, you know, if you're an hour in, and I apologize if, if you don't know, you know, Tozawa, BB Hulk, Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doi, Shingo, and Yamato. Those are the Big Six. Drangate is mirroring that with the new Big Six. Do you think this incarnation, 2023, do they have more or less pressure on their shoulders to take over the company than the original Big Six did? Yes. Because there is no because the only fallback plan you have is Yamato, and the the, the existential crisis of going from truly a true generation shift from the people who built your company because you still had Mochizuki and others around in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen and they tried before like like they could have gone like all right I guess this isn't working again you know there's there's no backup plan. Well, I think the backup plan is KZ and Shimizu and Kai and Yamato and, you know, Masaki Mochizuki because he's ageless. You know, I don't think I don't think the backup plan is as strong as it was in 2010, 2011 when it was Shima and Mochi still. But but I think there's a backup plan there. But the thing is about those three that you mentioned, you have one person who has done it before and the other two have been continual challengers with that. That's not really a good backup plan for like a dinner like i can't impart enough like how serious i think that this the stakes are for this for the company i think the stakes are higher but i also i almost feel like there's less pressure there's nothing to lose i don't see a scenario and knock on wood famous last words you know i hope this audio is never used against me i don't see a scenario in which madoka kakuta's on top and they're drawing 600 corkin you know, the original Big Six had to carry on a legacy. Think about think about a 2003 Torimon show. Think about the fervor in the crowd. Think about a 2005 Drangate show. Think about the fervor in the crowd, the passion of the audience. And all of a sudden, Shima gets hurt in 08, and it's hot potato. You know, okay, who, who's going to carry the company? What are we going to do? Is Shima ever going to wrestle again? We don't know. They had a little bit more preparation here. They have a little bit more of a runway. 
and there's there's nowhere to go but up. They're drawing 1100 in Quark, and, and with the industry standard, that's a success. There are companies that would kill to draw 1100 in Quark, and, and five years ago, that would be an abysmal failure. I, if I'm one of the big six right now, I'm feeling good. I'm puffing my chest out, and I'm saying we can take this company to a level that is maybe – 1300 maybe it's 1500 maybe we do 4000 for kobe this year i i think yes you're right the the end result if they fail is arguably death i just don't see that happening given the skills of the six guys involved no that's entirely fair and and, and to be clear i also kind of find that a little bit exciting yes absolutely uh, again this is what happens when you don't dick around for three years with Muto and old guys. This is great. They deserve all the success in the world just because they tried something. Well, I mean, Noah tried something. They picked someone who looked like that he was going budding stardom in all Japan and got him over. Hate that stupid company. It's just the worst. <laughs> just the absolute worst. Can I, can I give you a note real quick? I, I know we kind of already talked about the post match and Shimizu challenging. We we assume in June there's not a date listed for that yet. Can I give you a note from a Japanese speaker about the Cork and post match promo? Yep, please do. They said, and I quote, referring to Kakuta and his post match Cork and promo. Quote. Anyways, best promo I might have ever seen in wrestling to memory, at least. They said this was one of the most genuine things they have ever seen in a wrestling ring. And like I said, to quote, anyways, best promo I might have ever seen in wrestling to memory at least, end quote. That is a angels getting its wings, that bell going off in my head case. Yeah. How long as a drag, as long suffering Dragon Gate fans have we waited to hear those words about a young star? Oh, I mean, we're we're on a decade, you know, going back to, hey, T-Hawk, hey, Aita, cut a promo. No, not like that. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. And, and and not to completely belabor, like, the millennials thing, I kind of feel like the millennials thing, look, look, we're coming up next year, we'll, we'll actually, this fall will be 10 years. August we'll 30th. About, August yeah. 30th was the millennials landing. I don't have a whiteboard at this moment, but mental whiteboard, 10-year anniversary millennial sock. Oh, my God. I mean, there's... I got it's, some takes. It's, uh, there's so much to dissect. You know, it's, it, it's, it will go down in history as the lost class because you look at, you look at who's there, and it's, you know, T-Hawk, and he's gone, and it's Ata, and he's adjacent, and, you know, UT is the, the sort of kingpin that has stayed. And I don't think any of us in 2013 would have predicted that UT would be Mr. Dragongate coming out of that unit. Lindemann, you know, I, I hate to see him go, but Gleed is the best thing that ever could have happened to him specifically. It, it's all, it, it's all so incredible and so confusing. And the, I was just talking to somebody about T-Hawk because they were like, well, you know, I was talking about how I just, I struggle with all Japan because I know it's good, but I just don't care. Like I hate Noah, but I watch Noah all Japan is like, it's good, but I just don't care. I, none of the guys are over with me, except for Doi. And I was talking to him about, you know, just, oh, I gotta watch the carnival. I heard it's good, but I don't I don't want to get to it. And he was like, well, surely you're going to watch the T-Hawk matches, right? And what a loaded question, because I'm thinking, am I going to watch the T-Hawk matches? Is this a guy <laughs> that I want to invest time into anymore? Like, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to or not. Now, Gleet did upload today, T-Hawk versus our boy Check, and I will be watching that. Yeah, I did see that that finally made tape. That 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 is something that 
I maybe would have, if I've known that, I've put that on instead of Lakers uh, Nuggets. God, I'm watching Jokic carve up these fools right now. What a great thing to see. Indeed. All right, Open the Voice Gate this week. It is brought to you by our friends at the Bet Stamp app, which is helping thousands of people win at sports betting for free. In the same way that travelers use Google Flights or Expedia to find the best places, prices rather, bettors can now use BetStamp to do the same. When you place a bet, the odds given by a sports sports book will determine how much you can possibly win. Even when betting on the same outcome, different sports sports books will offer varying payouts, and those differences can be huge. Thankfully, BetStamp allows you to easily line shop for the most profitable odds across all sports books. You can click any matchup and instantly see the different odds for game lines, player props, and even futures bets, like perhaps some NFL futures bets. I will be taking the under on the Jets this year. Line shopping is the simplest way to find an edge in sports betting and maximize your chances of winning long-term. On average, BetStamp users win an extra $1,000 plus yearly just by line shopping. Get in on this action with the BetStamp app on Apple iOS Store or Google Play or through your browser at betstamp.app. That is betstamp.app. To access all these benefits, sign up using promo code VOW. And start your journey to successful sports betting today. If you forget to use the code upon sign up, you can always enter our code in your bet stamp account settings afterwards. Go check it out. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I had a DM from our close personal friend, Mr. Nagamori, about interest in relaunching DGUSA. Was everything okay? Was everything okay? <laughs> yeah, I think everything's here? good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and the sponge guy, we're going to go get high tea next week and talk about how we do the relaunch here. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to see if Moxley has availability. for. Dance. I really thought you were making a high T versus low T comment. That took me a second to realize you were saying TEA and not high T, like high testosterone. Well, I'm a fancy boy. I care about high T kids. <laughs> and Drang at USA famously a high T promotion. Yeah, it's just all going to be under my image, the Lek Corporation funding me to reenact the uh, Brody Lee Uha Nation Milwaukee promo. You know, I'm doing a podcast later this week with friend of the show, Jesse Collings, and he wants me on to talk about the future of wrestling. I guess he said, I guess he listened to a podcast of ours recently and thought we sounded intelligent and now he wants to talk to me about it. And I have a lot of thoughts on the U.S. Indies that I'm going to explain that I haven't really had a chance to talk about yet. And in the process of preparing for that show, I started thinking about, well, what would Drangate USA look like in 2023? And we've done this exercise. We did this six months ago when there were a bunch of Drangate guys in America. I, I don't know why, but right now more than ever, what a what a daunting task. There is just, other than Fred Yehi, there is no one on the independence that I care about. And, and like, here's like the wild thing about this case. I did a show yesterday where I spent about 10 minutes finding inventive ways to rip the current pinnacle of the USND scene. Yeah, even like the the West Coast pro guys that I like have let me down recently. There's just I don't know. There's nothing out there, and I and I think part of that is good because it means guys are getting paid, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. Is you know the the American indie scene as we knew it existed, you know, basically as a fault. It existed out of ignorance. It, that was never what wrestling should have been, but it also it doesn't have to be this bad either. Yeah, it's something that I fully believe that what 
was experienced in the late 2010s was, it will, and really starting in 2013, was market inefficiencies. And basically, if there's one lesson that I feel like Open the Voice Gate teaches you, it is to pay attention. And the major promotions at that time weren't paying attention. So the U.S. indie scene was able to overflow and overpopulate to a level that when it hit that, there, there's a level of expectation that just can't reasonably get back to. But there's no reason for it to be this dire. And there's no reason for the pool, the talent pool, to look this thin. Ultimo Dragon is a man who ha- has taught many people many lessons over the years. And one of those lessons is get paid no matter the cost. But Ultimo Dragon is not going to be able to do that soon. Is that right, Mike? Yes. Yeah, so uh, breaking news to uh, open the voice gate. Uh, General Manager Rio Saito on May 14th has suspended Ultimo Dragon indefinitely and has removed all of Ultimo Dragon's merchandise from Dragon Gate uh, online shops at the venues. You can't get an Ultimo mask right now because Ultimo Dragon has refused to have a singles match, not even the Apuestas, a singles match with Diamante. So breaking news here. Uh, we'll see how this story develops. But uh, on the heels of Kobe Sambo Hall, we see Ultimo Dragon indefinitely suspended case. This has to be a tarnishment to a man's career, a legend. It's sad to see that this is happening in his twilight years. You know, what's crazy is... I think about the way Dragon Gate was covered, say, a decade ago versus now, and there was so much love for, for lack of a better term, the lore of this company. And this is one of those times where the internet is working against us, where we have all of these forms of technology and communication now, and sometimes we forget about how valuable a simple website can be, and not having iHeartDG for the existence of this angle a clearly long-form, written-out translation of Saito's promo and the reactions from Diamante and Ultimo Dragon. Unfortunately, this might get lost due to time now, and people that would appreciate this might not fully because it's just kind of... It's already lost in the ether. But this is such a terrific angle. What a brilliant idea. Case, you know how last week and over the last few weeks when we've been talking about this long-term story finally coming to a head, one of my big issues was, well... Who, where's the interest here? Where is the interest here? It did not appear to be in Japan. We speculated about Mexico. Heard from someone who's very dialed in on Mexican wrestling. They are of the belief that this could happen in Mexico without any like big effort and without it looking like a loss. Like it's, it, Ultimo has people, basically, <laughs> it, it, it is what I've learned. But you know, Case, perhaps the most important person is now bought into the storyline. Me. Because this is... <laughs> because from Corkin to Kobe Sambo Hall, what an incredible just tour de force. Like, first starting off in Corkin with the promo with uh, Ultimo and Rio Saito, where it, it, it is something that, like, we spent all this time when we've talked about the inevitable apuestas between Diamante and Ultimo Dragon. We've always talked about how good this would be for Diamante to get the mask off and then you get the full force running. Like, like case, we've been guilty of talking about this in that context ever since this really was on, was really on offer, right? Like, yeah. like this, this is the thing. But over the last week, since Corkin on Thursday and Kobe Sambo Hall on Sunday, 
it's not just about that anymore. We have Ryo Saito in a way like I like felt my heartstrings pulled as he was at, like cutting the promo to Ultimo going like I I don't want to see like my principal like this. I thought you were the kind of guy that you know you're being challenged like that's not the Ultimo that that we want to see it and like really kind of like exhibit pathos in a way that wrestling it doesn't happen that often. It's like this is a guy who is who who became a professional wrestler in his late teens, early twenties, training under Ultimo, and then fast forward twenty five years later. Ryo Saito is now in charge of the promotion that Ultimo's Torimon would become. And he has to go tell the tell the his mentor, his idol, I don't know how his exact feelings are about Ultimo. I feel like that everyone in this promotions, when you ask them what their feelings are, it's probably complicated. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's complicated. But he had to like come to terms with like this over this. It's like, no, I've got to suspend you. Like the, the like you have to do this. Like you should look in yourself. And I feel like that's such a compelling thing because we had so much about Diamante. Like, this is the thing that's going to happen with Diamante. And then you're going to have Diamante all to the races. Diamante and gold class. Diamante, Diamante, Diamante. But it, we now have, like, this very grounded thing of, like, when is it going to be enough for Ultimo's pride and ego, the guy who cares more about a dollar than anyone other than Jeff Jarrett or Shima, he's finally now having to come face to face with that. And I think that's like now I feel like over the next six weeks, I feel like that they, that this is now a Kobe world man. Okay. That's, that's where, I, where I was going with this is you, you think they're going to do Ultimo in Diamante mask versus mask at world. I think we'll have a singles match probably in Osaka and then, or on one of the Corkins that's going to, go to no contest and then it's ultimo finally is going to be the one challenging because like that's now the story here it's not about diamante on his endless quest it is now does this legend feel like he has it in himself to go against the person that he acknowledges much younger faster stronger better than him what's it going to take for him to swallow that pill and, and put his mask on the line i think that's i think that's one of the more compelling stories in wrestling today and it was cut between a general manager, comedy former comedy wrestler, and someone who again complicated and Ultimo. I think that this was my favorite thing that Dragon Gate has done over the last like eighteen months. Happened with these two promos. I spoke at length on our Dead or Alive review about how dead the Aichi crowd was for the Diamante Ultimo angle, and how I felt really strongly that the mask versus mask match needed to happen in Mexico. Not that way more people would care but that simply more people would care than they do in Japan. And I still feel that way. I, I, I do need to note the Cork and Hall match was hot. I mean, it was, it was vintage hot fighting. It felt like a vintage Cork and Hall match. I wrote in my review, it sounded the way Cork and used to. The crowd was hot. It was a proper crowd brawl. Ata was just destroying Ishin, and it made me really want to investigate more of that. You know, I, I would hope at some point we could get Ata and Ultimo versus Diamante and Ishin in attack. I think that'd be fascinating to watch. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but I really like the idea of that. And Kobe, great reaction to the match, great reaction to the angle afterwards. I go back to the big six, and I look at, okay, what are these guys doing at World? How can they feel more important? Well, Strong Machine J just lost a Dreamgate match. I don't think he's going to be a Triangle Gate champion. 
I don't think he's booked, or I don't think rather he will be booked in a Twin Gate match at World. What can he do to elevate his status? Well, what if Ultimo Dragon's not back yet? What if he comes back at the July Corkin, which this year is after Kobe World, and we get at Kobe World a mask match, not for the mask, but just two masked wrestlers. We do Strong Machine J versus Diamante, and Strong Machine J fights on behalf of Ultimo Dragon. And that is how we get to Ultimo versus Diamante, hopefully in Mexico. I the, the, I like that, and I don't like that. I well, like well, the, let, me, let me say, hopefully that doesn't cro- come across as fantasy booking as much as it does. I think it's a realistic possibility. It might not happen, yeah. but when I see Ultimo's indefinitely suspended, I think he's gone until at least World. I don't think we see him until either that show or the July Corrigan. Yeah, like the the thing about this is the way it's phrased and how quickly they want to do this match. I the idea of Ultimo being off of Kobe World, like yes, we have talked about in the past how Ultimo thirty five was probably the biggest disaster in Dragon Gate history. It would just thirteen hundred people in their biggest venue not caring about that. I still feel like you have to have Ultimo there though. Like I feel like the like a Kobe World without Ultimo now feels a little bit like you're not that you're lost, but like not that like your arms missing, but like you you lost a knuckle. Here's what would bum me out is the fact is if this match happens on World, it's just another match on World, and I think that creates a ceiling there because you're going to have a Dreamgate match. I'm assuming you're going to have Kano and Kondo in a Twin Gate match. That feels like it goes on second to last. Uh, I, I don't know what direction they go with Jason. I don't know if that's a front half or back half of the card kind of match, but I know that'll be hyped at the very least. Diamante versus Ultimo is just another thing that happens on that show. Whereas if you do it, maybe you don't even do it in Mexico. Maybe you just do it in a different venue. Maybe you do it in Aichi in August, which I would love to do it in Ultimo's hometown. Then it becomes the focus of that show. And I do think despite the flaws with Ultimo, despite the... Uh, for lack of a better term, the the mixed bag at the box office that he brings, I do think this deserves a bigger spotlight than just third from the top on World. But could it be semi-main? I think it could. I think it's a weak semi-main. I, I just I we I think we learned last year that the, the Kobe crowd they're it's they're not into Ultimo in a drawing sense, you know, last year, look, if last year would have drawn, I would say, fuck yeah, do it semi-main. That's awesome. There's nothing has changed since last year in terms of his star power in that building. I mean, I, I felt something f- with, oh, from the, that the, crowd. The angle's over. Look, the, oh, the, 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 the angle's the crowd, undoubtedly over. The, the crowd, I'm not saying they've completely turned around on Ultimo, but I feel like you can. It is something that you have two more shows there, and you have your remainder of your loop. I feel like you might be able to get get it there. It, I, I I really do because I feel like that you do a hot match in June where Ultimo agrees to this because he doesn't want to lose out on his Tokyo payday, and then you have another no contest and you go like, Oh, we're going to keep on doing this until there's a decision. And Ultimo just is like, I'm I've had enough with this. All right, fine. We do this. I think you can make it work. I, it is also with the way that they place Noah. I, you, you are basically saying like, no, Kano, you went from semi main eventing to being third from the top to a partner promotion. And I, the, the, that is a difficult thing. 
Well, what do you think sounds not bigger because a mask match you, you and I are the wrong guys to ask because we're dorks and we put value into a mask match when maybe it doesn't even deserve it. But to me, you put Kano and Kano versus the Mochizukis, which assuming Junior is healthy, I think that's the direction they're going. I don't think it's an accident that Susumu and Kanda are challenging for the Twin Gate belts in June. Let's say you do Kano and Kondo right. versus the Mochizukis. To me, that is a semi-main. That has to go on after anything that has to do with Ultimo. Again, just given the numbers that we saw last year more than anything. I, I really, for as hot as Kakuta is, again, he's sustained at the box office. Yuki Oshioka historically has only had attendance go up when he's headlined. If that's the direction they go, I trust that match will draw. But... If I'm dragging, I cannot risk having Ultimo associated with my second drawing card on the biggest show of the year after everything that happened last year. No, th th that's fair, and I say that with hesitation, I guess. But I think you could do it. I still think, well, and, and something I, I would like to do, Case, on future weeks as we're getting to this is to see how bought in are we that this match is happening in Japan or Mexico. Because right now, I think it has happened in Japan, but it's probably going to change by next week in the Sapporo triple shot. Yeah, and there, look, there might not be a Torium on Mexico show, but it's at least something that they floated the idea around. And I, I'm just, I'm more into that happening in Mexico City than I am even Nagoya, you know, Tokyo, Osaka, doesn't matter. I just think that that is the perfect kind of match to headline a gimmick show like that. And in the context of Gate, it feels a, a little weird. Even though, like I said, the angle is great. The matches, the Tokyo, I almost went four stars the Corkin match. Like, it kicked ass. It was, the crowd was super into yeah, it. Yeah, it was it just, almost notebook for me, too. It's just weird to think, like, imagine sitting down watching a Dragon Gate Network show, and, you know, you've got the Ishin match here, you've got the Yoshioka match coming up, and then you've got to watch Ultimo and Diamante have a mask match just kind of just in the middle of a Dragon Gate show. That's just, that sounds so weird. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is. There is something that it is hard to completely square up this. And case there was something else that happened over the last week in Dragon Gate that was a shock, and we're still coming to terms with. Uh, Lostrea, we knew he was back in the country. We knew that he was going to make an appearance on the May 11th Cork and Hall show. He managed to get a pen on Jason Lee. Uh, with a kind of trippy-looking uh, reverse European clutch. I've seen Lee Moriarty do that move, but I don't know necessarily the name. And then follow that up at Kobe with a submission win. The most canceled MMA class has paid off for him. And he came bearing news case. And I've already talked to uh, Seta, so the, the, they've been apprised of this. But did you know that Lostrea is not an alien? I, I'm stunned by this, but this is what I'm hearing. Did you know that he's from Hyogo too? Uh, this this sounds right. This sounds like the information I also received. Man, the last year has changed him. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I you know I would imagine it's I, hard to get a, a working visa when you put your your home uh, your home country as not of this earth. I, I feel like saying, "Hey, I'm I'm based in Kobe" is going to be easier for the paperwork front. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot easier. Say so like, "Oh yeah, you're from down the road with that," but. We've seen Australia back here. It looks like he is sticking around at least through the end of the Sapporo tour. He will be challenging Jason Lee for the uh, Brave Gate. I think it's the show on the 21st. I don't have the cards right uh, on a tab right in front of me at this time. But Case, they're going to keep on trying with Australia. And uh, we'll see. Uh, it's, 
I don't have very high hopes, man. I the, the him and Jason like their face offs were fine, but it's Lastrea, and it was very clear within the first two minutes of him being in the ring in Tokyo that things have not really changed with Lastrea. You're correct. It is the on the twenty first, so that'll be this upcoming weekend. And my thoughts echo yours. I we we hadn't talked. I didn't know what you thought about it, but it was just like he came back in Cork and. And, he, you know, it's it's the last straight story. It's a really cool sort of almost shooting star press through the ropes. And then a few minutes later, he does the like basically a trust fall from the top rope. And he gives himself a, a backdrop driver onto the Leck Corporation boss. And it's just, oh, here we go again. It, it's so unfortunate that he wrestles the way he wrestles because he's a wrestler who's capable of doing spectacular high flying moves. But he himself is not a good high flyer. And then you see him like break up this really convoluted Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu meet Isiave submission hold, and you wonder what are we even doing here? Yeah, the, it's you know it's it's not bad, but it God does it not excite me? It, it it's something. It's like okay, like now that we are no longer like playing the game around like this, it 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 is something that I it's been clear since twenty twenty with this guy. They picked the wrong person for this gimmick. And it's very clear that he has a lot of ability, but just not the consistency to be what they are trying to make it. But they're going to keep on trying. And he'll get another shot against Jason Lee. I mean, well, for as much as we tout Jason and everything we say, I stay him by case, this might be his biggest challenge. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this, this will say a lot about Jason Lee if this match kicks ass. And, and it could very easily kick ass because it's Jason Lee. But... You know, to your point about Australia, I always mention, I've said this on the show before, I, I talked to somebody who knew Australia as a young boy, and then Australia got the gimmick, and I talked to that person, and I said, well, that's so-and-so, and they go, that's, that's so-and-so? He's the high flyer? He's not a high flyer. That's not, he, he has an amateur background, you know, and this is, the La Australia gimmick is something that Ultimo came up with. It's his creation, it's his vision, and... I think it's poor casting. You know, I, I don't think this is the life for him. I don't think this is the gimmick for him. And look, if he's able to slowly transition from botchy high flyer, which, by the way, for wrestling standards, he's a good high flyer. But in Dragon Gate, there's no room for error. And this is a guy that makes a lot of errors. If he's able to slowly transition back into a more grounded role, great. Basically, got, basically do, do, what you, do what UT did. I mean, there's the blueprint right there. I just... I, I don't I don't know with him. You know, he's got the singlet. He's talking now. It's just it's a lot of change that has very little impact. It it's discordant. Like Lashreya is a discordant character because like Ultimo had a good idea. Like I think like the idea of like an alien high flyer, you identify with purple. Purple is a color that the company uses very sparingly. And like having this kind of be like a in a lot of ways kind of traditional like Lucha phase like wcw nitro high flyer there's something there with that but they just picked the wrong guy for that uh let, I, let, I, let, me, let me ask you this imagine the lost straya gimmick with kaito nagano under the mask and how effective that would be yeah absolutely imagine it with i mean hell he only does one dive and it's a cripple imagine it with daiki yanagiuchi yep like it it, it it instead we have a guy who looks like he more wants to be trauma three 
Estrella before he was Estrella, and I don't know. I don't know if this is on the network. You might have to go back and find the live feed of this show. And I don't know. I don't know if that exists anymore because so much from the internet has been wiped, even in recent months. But if you go back to the original Torimon reunion show, which was January 2020, and you watch, it was Kento Kabune who had just debuted SB Kento versus the man that would become. La Estrella in an exhibition match and it's essentially a Dragon Gate future match at no point during that five minute grappling bout do I think oh that guy could be a high flyer I think wow that guy's a really exciting grappler I, I wonder what he's going to do in his career and then he disappeared for a while and, and you know we see the result now yeah so we'll see how long La Estrella is sticking around it does kind of feel like and this is again my own speculation that who knows if he's actually going to go back. I, I know he wants to, but who knows But with that. But he is sticking around. That was not the only uh, unfamiliar face we saw this week, Case, as the sole debut of the class of 2023. There's only one uh, wrestler who made it through the dojo in Kobe. Uh, he had an exhibition match, a future match, against Kagatora on the 14th. Ryoya Tanaka will be debuting next month, and he has something like I really. You for for a while we've been kind of I don't want to say bored, but we watch these future matches and we're like, okay, some people shine in them, some people you don't really make sense of, and they end up being Takuma Fujiwara. So that it's not always something to come from, but I really, really liked this exhibition with Kagatora, and I think Ryoya Tanaka has something. Oh, my God. I mean, look, the the kid is so handsome. I, I don't say that in jest. I really think that that is the look of somebody who will look good on a poster, will look good holding a world championship belt. I don't need to know anything else about him. I, I think he has immense potential just from seeing a, a five-minute exhibition match and seeing the way he looks shaking hands with Rio Saito. I am very excited for his debut. Yeah, and like the match of Kagatora, so they, they told a story where Kagatora just went lights out immediately, got a pinfall after it, an Apache punch immediately, got, a, got another one there. Of course, exhibition matches, they don't conclude with a pinfall. They go to the five-minute duration. And then for the next three minutes, him and Tanaka beat the crap out of each other. And Tanaka, it's a sad thing we don't have King of Chop again because uh, he could be 8-2 to two with how good those chops were. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, do you see Kagatora like wince and then give a thumbs up during that? <laughs> but, like he impressed Kagatora. Like I wonder if there was like we're going we're going to get him start doing exhibition matches and we'll we'll review his his progress. I wonder if after like during the exhibition, like Kagatora was like, "Wow, this guy's ready." And then they kind of were like, "Okay, I guess uh, Ryoya, you're debuting next month. That's it for this year. Bye." Yeah, man, Kagatora's a motherfucker. I would hate to have my debut match against him because he just there, there's something about him. He just hits so hard. I, when when he wrestles these young guys, I, I'm always impressed by him. Yeah, and, and it's something that like we've seen now that he is kind of the final test, I feel like, now yes. with, with the system, as we saw with the debut match he had in, 20, in 2021 with uh, Takuma Fujiwara and how he often ends up in these matches here. They were almost flagging in a way. Like, if you pay attention, that, that that's the special... That's that. That's the secret word of the day. Pay attention. Then you, you're like, oh, 
this guy's facing Kakatora. I guess he might be up soon. Well, Ryoya Tanaka is coming, is debuting in May. Very much June. so. I, I'm I, end of May. End of May. In May. Yep. So that will be coming. I coming up after this weekend. They're doing their their biannual uh, stop up in Sapporo. Interesting cards this time. They will be up in Sapporo from the 20th to the 22nd. Have that book ended with a show in Hakodate. Okay, so this is always kind of a lot whenever they have these triple shots up there in Hokkaido. Uh, how are you feeling just initially looking at how they're presenting this big weekend? Uh, I, I don't know. Why don't you do, do you have those cards pulled up? Yeah, uh, the, 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 uh, the one thing about Dragon Gate sometimes, they will just release all of these cards at one time and you're scrolling like, okay, this is this one, this is that one. All right, so we are starting this weekend in Hokkaido. We have three shows up on the network, 19th, 20th, and 21st. And, of course, we already have announced the Triangle Gate matches and the Brave Gate match happening on this weekend. In case you like how I'm doing a little bit of fill right here as I'm trying to get the card on the 19th pulled well up done. for me. Oh, this is where I say, like, they, they make it exhausting. I can't, they have not posted an English card for the 19th, guys. No, I got it. I got it right here. Okay. Uh, can you go through the 19th and I'll take over for the 20th and 21st? Yep. Opening match is Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Dragon Daya versus Coach Minora, Ben K, and Minorita. Don Fuji and Punch Tamanaga versus Kai and Hyo. Masaki and Susumu Mochizuki and Yasushi Kanda versus Big Boss Shimizu, Strong Machine J, and Yuti. Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kame versus Genki Horiguchi and La Estrella. Madoka Kakuta and Yuki Yoshioka versus Shun Skywalker and Diamante. And your main event special singles match, BB Hulk versus KZ. So I have a lot of time for this show. Like, the, the, the one thing about these Hokkaido weekends for people that is your first time to it, like, they, this isn't like other venues where they will coast through it. Like, usually because there are a lot of fan club appearances here that they, they bring on their work to choose here. And I mean... Really, the, the only thing I look at this first showcase and I'm immediately like, okay, I'm probably going to be, uh, I'll pay attention a little bit, but uh, I know how it's going to go is the Don Fuji, Tamanaga, Kai, and Hio match. The, the other five matches on the show have at least something that makes me interested in them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not as high on this as you are. I, you know, uh, Fu, the Fuji match, no interest. M3K versus Vibes, I'm sure it'll be fine, but whatever. Even, even Jason and Jackie... They get no help in the supporting cast of Genki and Estrella there. I, I think the semi-main and the main event could be excellent, but th this is not a card that excites me very much. I I just think that like that you have Kakuta and Yoshioka versus Shun Monte, and if that match delivers, then it can make up for what La Estrella shows up there, a Yamato in an opener. I, I feel like that this one has a pretty high ceiling. What about the card on May 20th? All right, so May 20th, uh, Madoka Kuda, Yuki Yoshioka, and Dragon Daya, the complete three of D. Courage versus Shun Skywalker, Kai, and Hyo. Yamato and Masaki Mochizuki versus Don Fuji and Punch Tomonaga. Dragon Kid and Genki Horikuchi versus La Estrella and Minorita. Uh, Strong Machine J versus Diamante in a singles match. Jason Lee and UT versus Susumu Mochizuki and Azushi Kanda. And then they open the Triangle Gate Championship match. Gold class champion team, Kota Minor, Ben K, and BB Hulk versus the challenger team, KZ, 
Big Boss Shimizu and Jackie Funky Kamei. I'm into Strong Machine J versus Diamante. I think that'll be great. I think the Triangle Gate match has a, a floor of three and three quarter stars, but I, I, am I too hard on this? This card doesn't light my world on fire either. Yeah, I I think an issue is that we've seen D-Courage versus Zebrat so many times as an opener, and probably this exact combination because of uh, uh, the amount of members in Zebrats means you have to see Shunkai and Hyo team a lot. Uh, yeah, well, no, no Ishin, no Junior, and... No Kato or Nagano. Well, well, Kato's still recovering from surgery. I, I know, but I'd like it a lot better if he were here, is kind yeah. of my point. Because <laughs> Junior's out too. But yeah, so no no Nagano, no Kato, no Daiki, no Ishin, and no Junior, because he's out as well. That's tough. That's that and no 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 condo and he doesn't normally make that trip but oh yeah I, yeah no freelancers uh, yeah I, I don't know i don't i again i you know i love the semi-main event the shun monte match on the first night i think strong machine j versus diamante here could be excellent and, and the main event will be fine but i'm I, i'm not loving these so far jason lee and ut versus susumu and Kanda. if this trends high this is going to be another uh point and susumu and Kanda tag team of the year I feel like that match could have something. It'd be uh, it'd be very interesting to see how that delivers because that could be a three star match or that could go up a level very quickly. Yeah, it just matters like if we're getting double ring out committee or not. Yes. And then for the twenty first, we have uh, BB Hulk and Yamato versus Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji. Punch Somanaka versus Kai. Dragon Kid and Ginky Horikuchi versus Asumu and Kanda. Kota Minora with Minorita and Benkei versus UT and Jackie Funky Kamei. Then for the semi-main event, we have Open Brave Gate Championship, Jason Lee versus La Estrella. And then the main event for the triple shot on Sunday, six-man tag three-way, D-Courage versus KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, Strong Machine J versus Strong Machine uh, versus Shun Skywalker, Diamante, and Hio. So we got a three-way match there. And of course, this is the first match on the weekend that does not have the hometown guys facing off. I think this is the best looking card of the bunch. You've got punch versus Kai, which that's an L I, you know, I think drank and Genki versus M3K there. There's nothing there, but is this will, everything this will, else? Yeah. This, I mean, look, I, I don't know what we're going to get from Jason versus Australia, but it's Jason. So I have to give that the benefit of the doubt and the main event should be great. And that that's the best opener out of the weekend. Oh, completely. Absolutely. You, like Hulk, is at the point now where like Mochi Fuji, like that's exactly in his wheelhouse. The other show happening in their Hokkaido swing. They always do one more show on the way back on the island. It's in Hakodate, which means that a, I don't know if he lives in Hakodate exactly, but I know he's a Kaido native. We're getting Katsuo back on the uh, 22nd. So get ready for that on your YouTube upload case. I'm certain we'll be talking all about Katsuo next week yeah that that might be the best looking card of the bunch this may 22nd card which is not on the network but obviously we'll get something from youtube that is daya and Estrella versus strong machine j and jason lee minorita versus diamante dragon kid and ut versus susumu and kana which i like that on paper shimizu and kame versus kakuta and yoshioka there's the aforementioned katsuo match which is him fuji and mochizuki versus yamato kazi and punch and the main event is Gold Class versus Zebrats. Who cares there? But that that is 
where is that? Where is Minorita versus Diamante? Where where is you know Shimizu and Kamei versus Kakuta and Yoshioka? I, even Diana Estrella versus Strong Machine and Jason Lee. That's that's good interesting. stuff. That's interesting. Masquerade explodes. Yeah. Oh gosh, you're absolutely right. And here's the frustrating thing about that about this tour case. So they get off of Kaido. They're back in Awate. Guess who shows up on that tour? Who's that? Daiki Yanagiuchi. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. I I, I thought <laughs> I thought Daiki looked very good on the Kobe Samba Hall show. I Daiki, we're still figuring him out. But one thing that we don't have to figure out, he's pretty good. Yeah, pretty him, good. him versus Kai. I hope that makes YouTube. That's on May twenty third. Yeah, that that was the thing that drew my eye immediately on Hakadate. But those are the shows for this weekend. Let's Case uh, was- let, let's re- real quick. Uh, as we're recording, we're a few hours away from the. Kanagawa show and uh, Yokohama Radiant Hall, the Kaya Strong Machine J homecoming shows. I like the lineup here. I think we'll get the final two matches. We'll get the two homecoming matches. Shimizu and Kamei versus Kai and Skywalker and Gold Class versus Strong Machine, KZ, Jason, and UT of Natural Vibes. I wish they would put Strong Machine and Kai in the same match and do one big homecoming match, but those two matches look good. I think those will probably be the only two things to hit YouTube, given the look of the rest of this card. Yokohama is an interesting place for Dragon Gate when you compare it to the rest of the Japanese wrestling landscape, right? Like, they never tape from Yokohama. They never run Yokohama Budokan. Like, Yokohama just only exists as we have people from there, so we go show up. Did... I, I feel like Yokohama used to be on the Infinity Loop when it was the Red Brick building, right? But that's that's 20 years ago, almost. I don't remember the red book building that well right now i think i'm I'm pretty sure that's where it was i gotta i gotta look that up real quick because that's gonna bug me because i can i can picture shingo specifically in that building and now i've got to see if that was where i thought it was maybe not yeah you're right because well if i if i look at shingo's cage match and i go to yokohama it only shows me two matches both from 2016 And, and i think those both are those uh, Big Japan Yokohama matches? No, too? they're, they're Dragon Gate. It's it's Radiant really? Hall. Yeah, they did. They mm. ran in March and June. Yeah, they don't run Radiant Hall that often. It, it, it or at least to a level where, like, of course, they're running it on the seventeenth. But it, it, that's something that I always find interesting about Dragon Gate. Oh, maybe I spelled Yokohama wrong. I, I, I'm right. The Yokohama Red Brick Warehouse and Yokohama Kanagawa Japan. I, I, I was right. This was this was a TV building in '04 and '05 at the very least. Yeah, and they were doing a lot of stuff around Tokyo at that time with like everyday pro wrestling too. So that would make sense that their strategy was more uh, overall Tokyo area based when they were in that transition. But Case, did you have anything else you want to touch on before we got out of here? Let me throw you a match that is lost in the ether that I would do anything to get a handheld of. All right, lay it on me. May 11th, 2012, so just past the 11-year anniversary, Yokohama Red Brick Warehouse Shingo and Yamato versus Tozawa and Hulk versus Yoshino and Pac. 2012, right? 2012. All right. So we have Matt Blanky, uh, Akatsuki. Yep. And World One International. Yep. All right. Let's yep. go. Pink. The pink unit is back for that. Gosh. That is that is a that is the third match on a King of Gate show. Let's real quick. We got nothing else to talk about. This is going to end the episode. This is May eleventh, twenty twelve. Opening match: 
Ata Kobayashi defeats KZ in a King of Gate 2012 first round match. That yeah, is I, jarring. That I think was yeah no this was the King of Gate that Ata got put into for winning King yes, of Chalk. Yeah, yeah. And then it's uh, Don Fuji beats Problem Dragon. That's a King of Gate match. There's the aforementioned three way. Uh, King of Gate 2012, Genki Horiguchi defeats Cyber Kong in the first round with a backslide from heaven. You, 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 you start on your road case. I'm going to interrupt you here. You start on your road to get the most famous tank top in all of Dragon Gate history with one. And it had to be Cyber Kong. And it had to be in Yokohama Red Brick uh, Warehouse on May 11, 2012. And then Mochizuki defeated Jimmy Kanda. And then the main event, I'll take a handheld of this too. Shima, Dragon Kid, and Shisa defeat Jimmy Kagatora, Jimmy Susumu, and Ryo Jimmy Saito. Oh yeah. No yeah, yeah, that was when, like when right when uh uh Windows merged with We Are Team Veteran. Yeah. I I cannot I cannot get this three way out of my head because it's not 2008 Pac. It's not 2010 Pac. This is one I and mean, this is one of his last Dragon Gate tours. World One International Pac and Yoshino versus Shingo and Yamato and Tozawa and Hulk. That is insane. And this is Hulk and Akira on that run. Oh, yeah, on, on that run, yes. Yeah, so like, gosh. And it's the third match on the show. That is nuts. Did it get more than 12 minutes? It, it went 14.46. Of course it did. Of course it did. This magical match that, uh, well, what was the illicit attendance there? Uh, it says 5.50. All right, the, this magical match that 260 people saw. <laughs> oh, I mean, well that's. That, that, that's what I do with all attendances pre May seventh, uh, twenty eighteen. Have them. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a good that's a good looking card. Uh, Pretty that good. Is, that that is a building that they no longer run, and it looks like as a result they really backed off of Yokohama once that building closed. It's a little bit. I was a little bit like the Hokkaido situation where there's just not not a good place to run anymore. Yeah, I wonder like when the soccer arena is going to go. Like, I, I just can't believe that it's going to be their permanent spot, like, with how things have gone in Sapporo. For those who don't know, they landed it with the soccer arena three years ago. I wanted, It was during COVID, but this was after, like, losing, like, in consecutive tours. They had they were in three. They, they were in their usual place. There was Susakino Mars, which I never heard a good thing about. And then the next tour, they were at the Ione Arena. I just... I wonder about running shows up there. It makes sense now, but we'll see in five years if they're still doing that. Where, I don't where did well. KZ beat Shingo? What building was that in? That was... Was that Susukino Mars? Why don't I even see that on Cage Match anymore? God damn it. I thought, I thought that was 2015. And I just don't see it. Never mind. I liked whatever building that was. I thought that looked cool on camera. Yeah, but it... it this is something that I would love to talk to, and I know this doesn't exist, Case, a Japanese wrestling civil engineer. <laughs> okay, good luck with that. I have a lot of questions, and, and a lot of them are, well, why can't we have Starlings again? So, the, okay, so 2016, KZ beat Shingo, headlined by T-Hawk versus Saito. Ugh, God, what well, a... T-Hawk's from Sapporo 2. Okay, all right, I guess that makes it a little bit better. That's uh, why Gleet runs up there. And that that was in Wing Sapporo. Did you say that, Venio? That was the place they ran before Susukino Mars. Yeah, I liked Wing Sapporo. That was that was the King of Gate triple shot that year. That was a that was a really good tour. Yeah. No. Oh, gosh. Doi kept... versus Yamamura, Shima versus Maria, Yoshino versus Shimizu, Monster Express explodes. 
Hulk and Yamato versus Tozawa and Mochi, and then KZ and Shingo and T-Hawk and Saito on that show. There's a different universe where we got a Tozawa Mochi tag team run. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy. We really never did. Yeah, yeah. Like that was the thing. It's like you know, like that. That probably like those two guys always had great chemistry. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? absolutely. Well, but Tozawa had to go to America. Yeah, yeah. He has to go be a worldwide superstar, and we see how that's gone for him. But case okay, so that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you would like to follow the show, you could do so at Open Voice Gate. And while you're at it on your podcatcher, if you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, please rate and review Open the Voice Gate five stars. It helps everyone discover the show. But you could also follow Case on Twitter at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujihaya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week talking about three days in Sapporo. Take care. Uh, 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 hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.